Does your neighborhood have an ice cream truck? Mine does. And it comes every single day. Hi, my name is Jessie and my ideal ice cream flavor is gin and tonic with rosemary. Hey, my name is Dalston Spencer and if I could invent or reinvent any form of uh, ice cream flavor, it would be vanilla, uh, bacon, and salty caramel. Hi, my name is Natasha and my ideal ice cream flavor is truffle aioli. If I owned an ice cream shop, the first flavor of ice cream that I would create is birthday cake ice cream. It combines two of my favorite things, and it gives you an easy way to have that sweet taste of birthday cake anytime without having to commit to making or buying an entire cake. Hi, KM. This is Ronald. My ideal ice cream would be Madagascar vanilla with thick streaks of fudge, dulce de leche, praline pecans, and peanut butter cup. I would call it Grandma Ronald's. My favorite dessert is ice cream um, mixed up with chocolate and vanilla mix. Why do you like ice cream, buddy? Because I like it when it's hot and so sunny. And sometimes I eat popsicles and freezies. Well, I don't really eat freezies that much. So it's pretty much ice so, cream and popsicles. Yeah. <laughs> but my most favorite is ice cream. Good morning. Good day. Or good evening. And welcome to 54 Lights. It's summer in Toronto. Scorching hot. Flowers are wilting. And the air, the air is thick. Like a wall, it greets you as you step into the inferno that is any area sans shade. AC units are blasting at full tilt. The only thing chasing away beads of sweat are other beads of sweat. I'll be lucky if I can guzzle this water before it evaporates. On days like this, there are two things that I think of. A nice cold beer, a mojito, and an ice cream. Scratch that, scratch that. On a day like this, I'm thinking of three specific things. A well-made mojito. A decorative pool. That's for my feet only, by the way. And two scoops of rum and raisin. Two. Neil's Sweet and Nice Ice Cream is the rebirth of a brand that started in 1940 in Trinidad and Tobago. As you'll hear in the minutes that follow, the surging brand didn't just arrive on the scene out of nowhere. 
Its revival has taken a long time. The company's founders, the family and descendants of Charles Alfred Neal, have fought their way into hundreds of stores across Canada, including Sobeys, Metro, and No Frills. As a Black-owned business, they epitomize what Black entrepreneurs are capable of. Are you listening, investors? From understanding their humble beginnings in the Caribbean to seeing their blossoming business on Canadian soil, it's clear to say that Neil Sweet and Nice is a force to be savored. Now, I first learned of them on the Dragon's Den, where their story seemed to hit a national tone. I've gone on to know one of the co-founders as our paths have crossed in the business world. I've continued to see them march into store after store, onto shelf after shelf, and into freezer after freezer. I even saw them launch a storefront, a pop-up in downtown Toronto at Stack Market. But nothing, nothing I'd seen could prepare me for what I felt when I took my first taste of that rum and raisin ice cream. I wasn't just thoroughly impressed, I was immediately addicted. And if you think I'm only going to enjoy this on scorching summer days, when I need to be cool, you got another thing coming. This love affair is for all seasons. Waistline be damned. My name is Kondwani Mwase, and today's episode is Just Desserts, featuring Andrew McBarnett. Now, please note that this is part one of a three-part series on the food and dining industry. Look out for those shows in the coming weeks and months. But for now, let's have some dessert. Can you give me first off your full, uh, your full name? Uh, Andrew Mac Barnett. The Andrew and the Mac where where did those where did those come from <laughs> yeah it's a good question actually uh mick barnett is my uh my always my dad's name and uh he's uh caribbean but uh but as the story goes he's got scottish roots uh-huh. so his uh grandfather was from scotland moved um to the caribbean i think it was grenada because there's still a bunch of McBarnets in grenada and uh and then they then moved over to uh, to Trinidad. So, yep, I've got some uh, Scottish roots. I'm pretty sure I've got a uh, some type of Scottish uh, flag thing as well <laughs> that I've got to find. <laughs> what does your family unit look like? My mom and dad. Uh, so dad McBarnett. My mom is actually a male. Um, and she comes from the uh, my granddad's side in terms of the ice cream side. And then I've got an older brother. And so younger brother, Roger, um, and two younger sisters, Alana and uh, Janine. I always ask people, but I'm, I'm particularly curious where you're going to land on this, is from a culture perspective, 
what do you embrace as your culture? Because you've got Canadian, you've got Trinidadian, you've got yeah. English, I get, because you've lived there, you've got the Scot, like, there's an, it's, it's kind of rich. So, yeah. What, what do I you- guess, uh, yeah, for me, that's an interesting question. And obviously, having, you know, been born and grew, grew up in Trinidad, um, you yeah, I gravitate definitely towards that. But because I, uh, I guess, you know, a, a number of, a good number of my adult years, uh, we lived in, in England where I met my wife. Um, I see England as almost my second home. Um, I definitely gravitate a lot towards the pub life and uh, pub grub and all that kind of thing and, and uh, hanging out in London and all that sort of thing. I still miss it. So, um, so yeah, so it's interesting because, you know, I feel, definitely feel at home in Canada because I've got kids now. But, um, but England um, definitely feels very much at home anytime I go there. And then, of course, when I go visit my parents, it's the same thing. So it's kind of like the best of three worlds. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, my, and, my, and my wife is, is, uh, is her background is Jamaican. So um, now I can call Jamaican home too. <laughs> <laughs> you are a true man of the world. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a pivot, pivot right now, a sharp turn to kind of why we're, we're talking here, which is, which is the business that you run. But before I jump there, I want to ask you, if I were to ask you to put yourself in a box, mm-hmm. what would be on the label of that box? I think for me, uh, uh, it may be, sound a bit cliche, but uh, innovator, um, you know, because I think in, in the number of things I've done in my past life and now, um, it's always been around innovation, basically, and trying to do something interesting trying to do something a little bit different you know whether it's um you know corporate life or, or business life um yeah it's always something that's uh new ish and and uh or rebirth of something else and then trying to take it forward and um and uh the challenges that come out of that is what i enjoy the most basically very cool very cool if you were to if you were to look back at your life um and ask you know your family even your wife the people that know you best do you think that that they would they would nod their heads when when you say when you say uh, that response the in, the innovator on the box or would they say no nah, man this guy's crazy it, it should be something <laughs> um, yeah maybe if you ask different people they might say different things but <laughs> but basically basically hopefully they would say that and I know like uh, the family business we we run right now my wife my, my sorry my aunt is always saying oh man slow down you're always coming up with something. You know, so she, she handles the operations and she just wants to settle things a bit. But I'm always like, no, 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 no. I'm thinking about next year already. Oh, so, uh, yeah. so, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, they, they would say, you know, friends, family, where coworkers previously would, would, would say that. Well, maybe I'll put them to the test when I see them at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I was going to ask this later on in the interview, but it seems, it seems uh, pertinent to say it now. Some people find it really hard to conceptualize working with friends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a business, running a business with friends. You have gone that step further and now are in what I understand to be a family-run business primarily. How, how has that journey been working with family? Yeah, I mean, you know, the reality is this isn't my first rodeo working with family. Uh, I've worked with my wife in terms of like uh, real estate and flips, so that's that's uh, 
that was that's been interesting <laughs> and um, but, uh, but um yeah working with my cousin and my aunt I mean yeah you you definitely you know you go in and and uh as with any relationships there are always challenges right the 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 other challenge that that sometimes people look at with me leading the company and then my aunt supporting me it's a bit of a juxtaposition right you know and she's a december person as well so we we butt heads quite a bit but we're frank with each other and uh and you know i i, I love it to bits and and basically there's a uh we've grown to really develop a mutual respect in terms of each other's core strengths and uh even if it's annoying at times when you're arguing about something at least we we, we realize that we want the same thing and uh our passion is to see you know the current business that we're doing sweet and nice be successful so yeah definitely challenging i mean um uh, with, with stafford um he's he's doing a lot of his, his stuff so he was really involved at the beginning but now he's more doing advisory than anything else but um but yeah i mean you know so far so good in terms of um you know the way that we do things the way that we work um that sort of thing has uh has almost gelled into being very complementary yeah and 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 the evidence of that is is what you said so far so good although i think you're being um modest it feels to me like it's so far so great right like tell tell the audience about neil sweet and nice or should i should we say sweet and nice like what oh neil's neil sweet and nice ice neil, cream. okay yeah. so so tell the audience about neil sweet and nice and the journey that's brought you to what i think is a really really cool place neil sweet and nice was started by my granddad Charles Alfred Neal back in the early 40s 1940s in in Trinidad after the war you know in Trinidad it was a tough place after the war that sort of thing and they they were actually owned um you know um a farm and that sort of thing and were, were doing stuff there and then he decided you know what I can't take doing this farming thing anymore <laughs> basically you know you farm all farming season and then you wait to be paid at the end of the season for what you produced so he thought now I've had enough of this I'm going to create a business that can feed my family every day because we spend every day I want to be able to earn every day um so then he decided to start ice cream uh, because of the the fact that number one it was the caribbean it was hot people were you know going to you know different sporting events and this and that, and that sort of thing so he decided to do something that people would love enjoy and and it became his passion so he uh he did that for several years went through different iterations of it you know back then he would have to wake up early boil the coconut do this do that and then and then put the ice cream together before he got on his bike and then rode around south trinidad to actually sell the ice cream Wow. And then he was able to grow grow that to till he had um a cafe which is funny that we now have one and uh and basically and basically um you know have like 6 to 10 people working for him. So it, you know so he he was able to really grow the business over a number of years, raise his family, you know, buy a home, um that sort of thing, 12 kids um and and the amount of cousins that lived in the same house and all that sort of thing um so yeah so that 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 was then and then my aunt when she grew up and my uncles and they they helped out as well but my aunt before my granddad passed was close enough to him that she really learned a lot in terms of you know doing the ice cream and producing it till she actually 
she actually also did it herself while she still lived in in Trinidad before yeah. she immigrated to uh, to, to Canada. Um, and in immigrating to Canada, obviously, I'm a young kid during all this. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just getting free ice cream. I was going to say, you just, just eat. <laughs> right? Yeah, just getting man. free ice cream, man, and enjoying it. And then, uh, you know, years later, when I immigrated from London to, to Canada, and then Stafford, my cousin, then immigrated from London to Canada, so we decided, hey, you know what? We're always having ice creams at family events. And to Rose is always making ice cream and, you know, Caribbean food and sweet stuff. Why not let's do something about this? And uh, we decided out of the gate that we were going to go. Well, that was my, my, my viewpoint. People didn't like it. But out of the gate, I was like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make this into something big. We're not going to just sell this individually. We're just going to go big. And, um, and, and by big, I meant that, you know, let's look at, Look at people in the marketplace right now, people like, you know, you know, Ben and Jerry's, people like Hagen Dads, that sort of thing. And we knew that we had a premium product. Yeah. So we we sort of modeled ourselves against against them. And uh and and basically, you know, we were able to then um, you know, it took a long time, but you know, it took us a couple of years to actually launch the thing from you know, recipes that actually mm-hmm. by my aunt's remembering in, in her mind to actually commercialize it you know it, as faith would have it we uh you know we we worked with a food um scientist who is english and they you know so they they you know russell he was here with his his company and then we worked with him and uh and then we decided to work with the university of guelph to really enhance flavoring and that sort of thing and it turned out that dr goff who is the world-renowned specialist in ice cream at the University of, of Guelph helped us really adjust the flavoring and, you know, that sort of thing. We started off with mango and coconut and we rolled out probably in about 2013 to a lot of independent stores. And um, I remember that my aunt and I and Stafford would go out on a Saturday morning and yeah. peddle it out there and say, hey, you know, we got some ice cream. Do you guys want to put it on your shelves and yeah. blah, 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 and all that sort of thing. And we had made a small batch of mango and coconut. Um, I got my cousins to come to a warehouse where we wrapped all the cups because oh, um, we couldn't afford packaging yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. you don't have uh, droves of staff yeah, and all that. Exactly. But it, you know, in a week, we spent like, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 hours just wrapping these cups and then for manufacturing. And then we did the manufacturing and then we went out there. And uh, I remember us getting a number of no's and, uh, and some yeses. And I remember one of the first yeses was basically... We went into a, a store and um, the guy said no to us. And uh, and when we were explaining the, the background and the story and that sort of thing, another customer in the store said, wait, wait, what did you just say? And we said, uh, yeah, uh, Alfred Neal, sweet and nice. And he said, listen, I remember that guy when I was small. I, I'm from Trinidad. Oh, yeah. I remember that guy. This is a great ice cream. Man, you have to carry this in your store. And the guy, and the guy, and the guy listened to it and carried it in the store. So you know, it, it's it's been it's definitely been up and down and, and that sort of thing. And 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 then we we got a breakthrough in uh we got a breakthrough in terms of uh we, we obviously were in Dragons Den 2015, still focused in terms of a lot of independent stores in the GTA. Then we were able to get into Sobeys under their local program, and we haven't looked back since. Now we're in probably probably close to um, about 350 stores 
and then by the end of July, we should be close to close to 600 stores. When you look back, you must marvel at that journey, right? But it's not certainly not an overnight, but it's a it's a really a it's not. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, definitely challenges in terms of like persistency, keeping things going, yeah. believing, and uh, and and hoping and praying that you know we'd be able to survive, to stay alive for the opportunities, right? If you look back or if you look at, at, at other black entrepreneurs specifically, what is what would you tell them about your journey that they can they can internalize and, and maybe use to motivate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, from my perspective, you know, I always viewed this as yes, I'm black, but the business that I have is for and the products that we have are for everyone. My firm belief is that, you know, people travel go to the Caribbean, they love the Caribbean because of the fun, the relaxed nature of the people, the difference and diversity of culture between the islands. You may call it rice and peas in Trinidad and then peas and rice somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, stew chicken and all that sort of thing. So there's diversity in culture, but I, I, my, my firm belief has always been that what we have is for everyone. And, uh, you know, looking back, I would always tell a black entrepreneur coming coming behind me is that whatever you create, create with the belief that it is for everyone. Yes, it may be, you know, may come from your culture, but it transitions across culture. Because I mean, I remember driving um, up north uh, once uh, to Barry, and I just walked into Sobeys and I was thinking, is there ice cream here? And yeah, it's, it was there and it was being sold there. So, and, uh, and in the the other thing is, uh, is, is basically uh, two other things is, is, is network, 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 and then, um, you know, persistence, you know, be persistent and, and keep your dream alive and keep going. Because I, I, I firmly believe that if you have something good and others don't see it, eventually they will. Mm-hmm. And eventually the doors that you were knocking on before will open. So, so keep going at it. And, and uh, eventually, as long as one door opens, you'll soon see that that the other doors will start opening as well. I, I was I was going to ask you as well, but I think you you sort of answered it, but I'll, I'll, I'll press you on it a little bit. When you were starting out, and even as you are now, have you ever had a, a legitimate temptation to soften, pardon the pun, your, your distinct flavors, right? Like to just come out with something regular. You know, the reality is business is based on, on, on the classic economics of supply and demand. So you've always got to look at, you know, your business in terms of, you know, feedback from your customer base and always have the flexibility of adjusting. You may adjust to demand, but produce something that, that makes you distinct. When we started off, we started off with just mango and coconut. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I remember, you know, being in, in, in stores doing demos and we would have so many, especially Jamaicans, come up to us and say, man, where the rum and raisin? <laughs> yeah. It's probably a bad Jamaican accent, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, where, where is it? Where is it? So, um, so basically, you know, we, we looked at that and, and went, you know what? We, we, yeah, we, 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 we may be, you know, going into other flavors that way be maybe like sour sap and that sort of thing that may, you know, be, um, you know, more Caribbean and this, and that, the other. But when we heard people say that, 
um, we thought, you know what, let's do it because basically we've heard enough people asking for it mm-hmm. and, uh, and it still is distinct to us, although it is very European. Lots of people don't know that rum and raisin is very European as well in terms of oh, like, I didn't know that at all. It's, it's eaten a lot in France. And um, so, so, bas- so basically, um, you know, we actually brought out rum and raisin and then brought our guava passion fruit, which was uh, even more distinct. But uh, the rum and raisin has been, yeah, it's 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 been a great um, addition to to our, our lineup, right? So you you definitely have to listen to your customer base. Hello. During my conversation with Andrew. I got really interested in what makes ingredients come together for a positive union. Specifically with desserts, of course, what can make two or three different things come together to make a tasty, tasty outcome? To answer some of that curiosity, I sat down with Emil Nietzsche, a great chef based out of Montreal. Say that again and explain to me why the hell you would put those two together. Oh, sorry. Those three together. Wait, so, so wait, you said coconut? Coconut, ca- yeah. Cauliflower. And chocolate. That's why I said. Okay. Yeah. So co- that's, that's a weird... It, no, yeah. Okay, I, so go on. Why, why the hell would you put that together? Or sorry, I think why be, would you put that together? I think it would work, actually... Um, I did once I did like an appetizer, so it was like a coconut, uh, was, um, sorry, a cauliflower panna cotta, which is usually like eggs. There is nothing like, there's no vegetables in the dessert. It was panna, cauliflower panna cotta with like, a chocolate jello. It was like, wow. Yeah. So I'm like. And you served that to people or you did that oh, yeah. yourself? Oh, no, no, no. We served it to people. It was like chocolate jello, like almost caviar, like a little. We served little, it to little, people? Yeah. You were like in a restaurant? Yeah, at the hotel. No, I'm not here to argue with you, man. You're the, you're the chef. Yeah. Different example I can give you. It's from a, dishes like salad, um, tomatoes, strawberry, and coriander. I'm not saying put tomatoes in ice cream. I would take the tomatoes out, but leave the strawberry and coriander and make it more like a sorbet out of it mm. without milk, without lactose products. So strawberry and coriander. Very refreshing, very kind of unusual. Like what? Strawberry and coriander? Yeah. How, yeah. How many ice Are there ice creams with a lot of like spices? There could be. Actually, speaking like of spices, in, in market, it's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, actually, for the strawberry coriander, I would add pink peppercorn, which is not spicy, but it's spice and it's not really pepper. It has like kind of unusual flavor. Oh, that could be good. See, this is exactly how ideas come. Hello. And now back to my conversation with Andrew. I gotta, I gotta ask this question. 
about specifically about your grandfather and maybe through your aunt, what would you say is the one fight you think you would actually have with him about the business? Like if he was around today <laughs> and he said, you know, whether it's rum and raisin, whether it's <laughs> don't go to North Bay, whether it's the storefront, which I, we got to come to in a second. What's the one fight you think you would have with him? I think I think the the thing about it is that his whole ethos of starting the business was, hey, you got expenses every day, you got to be paid every day. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the model that we've developed obviously um, is, is sort of the, you know predicated in terms of like, okay, we want everyone to enjoy this ice cream. So we're going into the grocery side of things, which is obviously different from his model, right? And uh, and obviously that then means that, you know, you've got a supply chain where, where you're putting money out, producing stuff, selling it in, getting it delivered. Then you'd probably be paid like 30 to 60 days later. So so you have that that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm pretty sure um, he would have pushed us a long time ago to have a, to have a store. Oh. Because 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 essentially the store, I mean, it's Canada, yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. We would have probably had to do other things within that store. But basically, he would have pushed us a long time ago and say, listen, you got expenses every day. You need income every day. <laughs> so, 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 basically, so basically, I think we would have done that a lot sooner um, than, than, we, than we've done um, today, basically. Uh, that's that's awesome because that was my follow-up question was going to say who would win the argument, but you just you just said he won it because you just, <laughs> you, just launched yeah. this, you just launched this and book. and you know the funny the funny thing about it is is that you know again I was too young growing up to know all of this I just used to see him a couple of times come around my parents' house and then I get free ice cream yeah. and um and and basically I never knew like the depth of his story until I spoke to my uncle a couple of weeks ago. And and uh, because you know he was he is the eldest uncle and he was giving me all the story in terms of like all the different things and I discovered the guy had like about two cafes and all that running at the same time and I was saying what <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> so so basically you know although you know his primary focus was the ice cream but he had a cafe and he did stuff there and, and that so that that was uh that was amazing to hear that that you know it wasn't just the ice cream that he did he was actually you know, you know, doing that other business as well that was complementary to that, right? So, yeah, it was amazing hearing that sort of thing and and knowing that now, you know, we've been able to roll out um, a, uh, a, a you know summer pop up shop, but a a sort of you know ice cream store at the same time. Yeah, you're 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 walking in his his footsteps, but really sort of in parallel because it's a path you charted anyways, and it's that's kind of yeah. thing to look back and say, oh, he was doing that too. So. You're you're on to something, and so your store, the pop up, as you as you uh, correctly um, phrased it there, I guess, is at uh, Stacks Market in downtown Toronto, right? Yes, in Bath at Bathurst and uh, Front. Bathurst and Front. Um, I just, I if I can just ask a quick one. Obviously, it's summer. Obviously, it's ice cream that tastes amazing, but it's COVID. So how I know. how was that? Yes, I'm that's assuming good, it must have been a battle, but yes, it, it, you know what? It, it's it's an interesting. Uh, it's 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 a good question because you know that the reality of it, again, as a business, you got to you got to take risks, right? 
Um, you got to take risks that you uh, you believe will pay off, um, <clears throat> and you got to be innovative as well. Um, you know, earlier this year, before all this hit, we were thinking about okay, let's do a pop up store, mm-hmm. let's do something, right? Um, and um, and and basically, we were we we actually had started talking to Stacked um, early in, in in January, and then all this madness hit, and then you know it all quelled. Yeah. Um, and and on top of that, we we obviously uh, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but but basically the way that we've been able to grow is that obviously in terms of like creating a brand awareness, you want people to, in order to know your brand, you go into the stores and we do a lot of demos, a lot of demos. Mm-hmm. I remember when we started off with with Sobeys, we probably did like three hundred demos in a in a summer to really get the brand out there and awareness out there. So COVID hit. We knew that we were rolling out in terms of no frills and, 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 and Superstore. We knew we were rolling out to Metro. And our plan was tons of demos backed up by social media, uh, you know, yeah. all that sort of thing. And, that, and now it's like, nope, no demos, like zero demos. You can't go into our stores to right. do anything, right? Uh, which, which is understandable because, you know, how, how are you doing demos and, and being socially distanced? So we decided to actually, um, you know, figure out, you know, should we should we do something where we raise brand awareness and have people come to us so that, you know, they can try our ice cream, discover our brand, realize that, whoa, actually, I didn't realize you guys were also sold in stores as well. So next time I go shopping, I'll pick you up um, and I'll try you out. And, um, and so basically, you know, we, we took a calculated risk. Um, in terms of the team and and uh, had a lot of arguments about it and then decided, hey, let's just do it. And uh, and we did it. And, um, you know, we'll see how things go. But I mean, we believe that we've made the right choice in terms of, you know, we we, we, uh, we got, we, we had a lot of good um, PR in terms of social media and that sort of thing. You know, with all with the environment as well, being black owned, you know, people actually find that you know um something that is is great for the community as well to see something like this being done and uh and yeah i mean so it's it's uh it's going to be definitely a, it was definitely a challenge to to get it going um and get it up and running in a very short space of time um but yeah we're, we're looking forward to to seeing how well it does and who knows man maybe we'll see a couple of sweet and nice um scoop shops in a couple of cities across Canada. I'm telling you, looking forward to it. Uh, I went down, I think on the, the opening, which was just this weekend. So if you're, if you listen to this soon enough, make it out there and it doesn't have to be on a weekend. It really is nice. And obviously done in a safe uh, and, and socially distant space. So it, it actually is good and timing works out well because the economy is slowly opening up carefully. So I, I, I think that I commend you at that. So your son was born at the same time as the business sort of was born, right? Yeah. If your son in a couple of years walks up to you and says, hey, I got a great job at Ben and Jerry's or at Hagen. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, pretend nobody, you know, and he won't hear this, let's say. Are, are you disowning him? Are you embracing him? For yeah, more? I, would, I, would, I would say, son, you're out of the will. <laughs>
what is the best job at Neil Sweet and Ice? My answer, leading question, would be the QA because the taste of this bloody ice oh, yeah. is just through the roof. But you're in inside man, obviously. What's the best job? Then? That is the best job, man. <laughs> and that's my job. <laughs> I call myself the chief taste tester. <laughs> because the, the the wonderful thing is, is that, like, again, I'm close with my aunt. So basically, she's she's very innovative. We've got some interesting flavors coming up. And, um, and basically, the great thing about it is, like, for example, I can talk about this one. We've got banana chocolate that's going to be released soon. First at this, the, 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 the shop. <clears throat> and then we're going to be releasing it at exclusively um, at Sobeys. And uh, and then, so so basically, um, I, I was there during the tasting of that. And uh, I had scoop after scoop, man. Extensions. I'm going to ask you to give me, I'll, I'll give you two, I'll give you three. You say yes, yes, no, or, or maybe. And, and give me a little bit of a why, okay? So product extension, Neil's Sweet and Ice Chips. No. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. There's no, there's no sweetness in that, you know Good what I mean? Point. Good it's point, It's gonna be, be kind of like dessert oriented. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, so I'm coming up, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of you now. Sweet and Ice Popsicles, do you have that already? We don't, but I mean, yeah, we are, we are thinking seriously about it, for sure. All right, and you know who especially, to call, right? especially, especially, especially for the kid. Exactly. Now I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on the the rum and raisin, but the alcohol flavor, flavored alcohol, sweet and nice. There's something there. Oh, <laughs> if you didn't know, we actually have another line that has champagne in it. Oh, do not tell me. <laughs> for real? For real? Yeah, yeah. We got a uh, a current mimosa. Uh, uh, huh. ice cream that we've we've done for like special events and that sort of thing so it's something we're thinking about it may not be under our, our, our existing like sweet and ice brand but basically yeah definitely um it's something we've already got that we may actually speaking of which at the at the store we probably will do a champagne weekend oh yeah i'm i'm following you on instagram so i'll know when that comes up i know when that comes up um, but on, on the serious tip, have you guys, are you thinking about product extensions? Obviously the flavors are just, I mean, I, I love them all. And, and, and you just mentioned that you've got a couple things on the runway. Um, is there something that is on the horizon? You don't have to disclose what it is, but. <clears throat> yeah, there, there is. I mean, we, we can't go into depth with it, but we definitely have stuff coming out and, uh, and look out for it at, at Christmas. It goes really well with ice cream. 30 years from now, there is a biopic that talks about Needle Sweet and Ice. Um, and it's it's a it's a, a focusing on your life. What's the name of that? What's the name of that movie? Mm. Yeah. I think uh I think uh for me it should be called the Neil Family. So there you have it. The conversation continues. I'd like to thank everyone who's participated in today's show, be they behind the scenes or on the mic. Part of our show was recorded and produced at Corner Studios with the assistance of our producer, John Kitt. 
Music for this episode was composed, played, and enjoyed with permission by Joachim Nortebert and Andy Ninval. If you like what you've heard, there's more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter under our handle, Crowd54. Remember, you can find us wherever you do your listening. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and that's just a few of them. Listen, like, share. Until we meet again. Thanks for listening.